0: Welcome back to the health triad method podcast and in today's episode we're joined by head coach Stacey, the doctor of cardiovascular medicine herself, Dr Jyoti Patel and our transformation coaches Chris and John. In today's episodes we are going to be talking about recognizing the current coping mechanisms that we have for stress. Some of them you'll recognize, some of them will be quite obvious, and others you may not have thought of. By the end of today's episode, you are going to recognize different forms of coping mechanisms of stress, and you're going to understand how you can integrate some simple changes into your lifestyle that will enable you to manage stress in a more positive manner for your health and wellbeing goal. And here's just a quick snippet before we get into it. Recognize that you are feeling something, recognize where you're show- it's showing up in your body. Don't always think you need a solution for it and then have a tool to actually express it. So we are live today with the team as always. And all we're gonna be talking about today is recognizing our coping strategies for stress. So the types of things that we're currently doing that maybe we don't realize we're doing to manage stress, And then we're gonna provide a few of our personal recommendations for managing stress to make sure that you can still progress towards your physical goals, whether it be losing body weight or losing body fat or improve your quality of life. So getting better quality sleep, for example, not feeling overwhelmed or anxious with lots of daily tasks. So I think it'd be really good if we kick off team with just a thought process towards what do we see commonly with clients in their current mechanisms of managing stress
1: one thing i see really commonly is using social media or sort of like mindless scrolling or mindless sitting in front of the tv at the end of the day as a, a way to unwind so people will get to the end of the work day they'll be tired and they'll just sort of like sit there and scroll on their phone for hours and like there's nothing wrong with spending a little bit of time on your phone obviously especially if you're talking to people and you're socializing but it's very easy for that to then become like Oh, it's 11 p.m. and I haven't done anything. I haven't got ready for the next day. I haven't done any of my mindfulness work. I haven't got, you know, and my sleep schedule is behind now. You know, it's, it's easy to fall into that loop of then letting it impact everything else.
0: Yeah. So that scrolling is just what, what do we see it as more of a distraction technique for potentially what they're really feeling?
1: Yeah. I think it's, it's a very good distraction, obviously, because that's what it's designed for. It's designed to keep your interest and be short and sharp and give you that little like reward which people are looking for at the end of a stressful day. So I think it's a combination of probably the two of those things.
0: Do you know, I think there's a, a really good passage in Atomic Habits where he's talking about understanding why we get into these distraction techniques in the first place. And certain apps appeal to us for different reasons. And I think there was one sentence or one passage that you discussed. Well, actually, what social media provides us is a way to feel connected. So we feel connected to other people and other accounts which potentially means that we haven't got that feeling of connectedness within our life. So it's really interesting when we see these distraction techniques and then link it through to the fact that maybe we're not socialising properly enough, maybe we're not actually having conversations with people that we care about, or we haven't got the right people in our environment to discuss the ideas and thoughts that we've got. So then you do get trapped in this like loop of just scrolling endlessly and mindlessly and not really knowing what to do with that energy. But then that distraction, what takes us away from something positive we could be doing for ourselves. But same with the TV. So same with Netflix, same with this series and these binges that we have with just watching TV. I see this really commonly with people, but I think it'd be good for people to understand it's not a bad thing, but what is what is your current strategy trying to tell you? What's that deeper thing that it's trying to tell that you're missing out on? So I think that's a really powerful one, Stacey. Is there any other things that you guys see pop up um, when you're talking to clients and recognising these uh, current coping ne- mechanisms? I
2: think training can be a big one. People are using that as a stress reliever, sort of, you know, getting in the gym, almost that sort of taking themselves to sort of punishment levels, because they find that's a way to, you know, um, get out of the system. But then I think we've got to understand that training itself is, you know, it's a physiological stressor. So if we're putting too much of the wrong kind of training on the system, we're going to go backwards um, and quickly reach that kind of point of diminishing returns where, there's no longer any benefit to our training. We're just adding more stress and probably exacerbating the issues um, that we've currently got.
0: Man, we see that all the time. I, th- I think that's a, a big one. I, you would probably see it quite often as well, Chris, with people being in the gyms spending way too long per session or that almost that junk volume coming to the to the fore there.
2: Yeah, definitely. Just doing work for the sake of it often because there's a, a lack of direction or it is just that feeling of the more time I spend in the gym, the things I've got to deal with sort of outside
0: of the gym as well. Oh mate, that's so powerful. That is so powerful. And again, I think that's that's massive in terms of how common that is and also massive in terms of people don't realize what they're actually doing. So, thank you for sharing that one. And John, Jyoti, any any thoughts in terms of coping mechanisms that you you currently see with, you know, people before they start with this?
3: I see a lot of clients drinking alcohol which which is fine, but if you're drinking too much, then it's obviously going to be detrimental to to your results. A little bit like overtraining, it's going to be more of a stress on your body, and it's going to affect the way that you uh, you deal with stress and the way that you you know your body uh, recovers to try and get to those results that you're trying to get to. So I think it's understanding that you know what's normal and what's a lot. You know, I've had plenty of clients saying, "Oh yeah, I've had a small night. I've had five pints and, and one bottle of wine." Now, that's a lot. So I think it's just understanding where where you're at with that, um, and just controlling it in a positive way. But it's not a bad thing to to drink alcohol, but just you know not not a lot. This
0: is look, this is really interesting. like one person's not a lot versus another person's not a lot. It could be completely different. And again, maybe it's not a lot because they're so used to consuming that amount of alcohol. It doesn't feel like a lot because they don't have that, that thought of I'm drunk or I'm not drunk. That's really interesting, man. In fact, there's a few questions that I'd pull up on that. Like, what sort of things do we see when somebody is, you know, drunk before they've gone to bed, or drank in the evening as their stress reliever?
3: I think if you if you're drinking a lot, obviously that's an added amount of calories. So if you're wanting to lose weight, um, that's that's going to be a problem. Even if you wanted to gain weight, it's going to be the wrong weight. Um, I think then if you're drinking a lot of of alcohol, then you potentially will be eating um, foods that. That aren't you know the best quality foods. Mm. Um, I know one of one of my clients he he'll go out uh, have a, have a drinking session and then go get a McDonald's after that. So it's just calories upon calories, and then trying to sleep is going to affect the quality of your sleep. And sleep is a huge cornerstone of getting the best results that you want. And if you're not sleeping right, your your stress is going to um, get affected by that as well.
0: And we've seen studies on on lack of sleep and that actually driving people to you know, reward behaviors. So not only are you going to be massively overeating on the evening or massively over consuming calories on the evening, it's the next day you're still driven to eat other foods that are going to drive that kind of dopamine response. So it's really interesting the kind of knock on effect of just having a few drinks in the evening, not really understanding. Maybe that could be the blocker to to long-term success.
4: Yeah, so I think probably what all of us have seen before is sort of stress eating. So, when a client is highly stressed, that they find that there's almost not even a thought process and they just reach out for maybe it's chocolate, biscuits, crisps, something that isn't as nourishing as other foods. Um, And it can often lead to just overconsumption and you're going over in the calories, um, almost like comfort eating to relieve that stress um, we often often seen. And I think as as coaches, we generally re- refer to the stress management team.
0: Oh, 100%. And I think there's there's varying degrees of it as well, right? So I think some people know that they're actually doing that. And I think some people don't realise that they're doing that until they start to become a little bit more mindful of, of their habits and behaviours, which is obviously something that we do within our information gathering phase where we're trying to learn about clients and learn about Uh, their current approaches towards nutrition. So I think that's a a really valuable one. Um, I think it'd be really good if we actually just go around and provide one of our, maybe a a leading stress relieving technique. Could be something that we use personally, or it could be something that we've seen work really, really well with clients that we've been working with.
1: This is not necessarily a stress relieving technique, but I think it's sort of like a first step that's really important is just building that awareness, whether that is by keeping some journal or something like that to actually get your thoughts down because a lot of these things like using the social media and the TVs, for example there's nothing wrong with that until it starts to impinge on other things so you know until you start finding like oh i don't have time for my hobbies oh i don't have time to train and then you actually look back at your screen time and it's like oh where was that four hours that i didn't realize (laughs) that i spent on my phone today you know so it's starting to bring that awareness to oh, I'm spending more time on my phone than I thought, or I'm drinking more than I thought, or I'm eating more than I thought. That's the first step, and then you can start putting strategies in place.
0: I really like that one. So build awareness, and then start to create more positive solutions with the time that you do have available to you. I think that's that's really powerful. Um, any other ones that you guys use personally?
2: I think building on uh, from what Stacey said, it's sort of knowing that like the poison's in the dose. So it's not, it's not necessarily the actual actions that you're taking, but sometimes the quantities of those actions. So you don't have to eliminate certain things that you're doing, but potentially just reduce your exposure to them sort of gradually over time. So they become less and less um, of a negative effect on your life.
0: I'm, go- I'm just going to jump in because something came to my mind is, as you guys have been talking. And this is something I spoke to a client about recently. We've got different types of stress within our life. We've got eustress and distress. You stress being the stresses that we enjoy. I mean, when we go to work and we complete a project or something mammoth happens or you know, we, we secure a sale or whatever it may be, that's a you stress. And then on the other side of it, we've got the distress where we walk into work and there's a thousand emails and 125 WhatsApps to clear and all that sort of stuff. So then we've got the distress. So it's just understanding that with both types of stresses, one being positive, and one potentially being perceived as negative, they both take recovery they both take a lot of energy therefore we need to recover from them so just understanding that different types of stresses while one might be positive and one might be negative we still need to recover from them and create some form of solution or strategy around it my thoughts are recognize the different types of stresses within your life positive and negative and just recognize that both will require some form of recovery pathway so Yes, we can go and smash ourselves in the gym. Yes, we can go and do a lot of meditation and mindfulness on the other side of it. Yes, we can go and you know climb Mount Everest tomorrow, whatever it might be, but we also need to sleep. We also need to have these Epsom salt baths. We, maybe we need to listen to the types of music that actually relaxes us rather than just constantly listen to highly motivated speeches. We've got to have that balance within life. So I think that's a really valuable point. Kind of jumped in there and disrupted the flow, but. Again, John, over to you, man.
3: Yeah, I think, uh, like Stacey said, it's it's you need to be aware of why what you're doing, and and then why are you doing that? I think one main thing, and it's a bit of a harsh one, is identifying who you're surrounding yourself with in terms of friends and family, and if those friends aren't positive, or you you know not positive in your life, and you and you know that, then it might be a good idea to to maybe just minimize or reduce time being spent with them and spending time that are a lot more positive oh,
0: mate. Uh, this came up on a, a podcast i was listening to uh, recently where he taught the guy in question talks about a boardroom so you should always have a boardroom of different people that you will listen to and you'll refer to so you might have somebody that you go and talk to about nutrition and health and well-being you might have somebody that you go and talk to about business these people are probably maybe five or ten years already ahead of you in different senses. You might have somebody that's already got kids and already got maybe a a family, and maybe you might be single at the moment. So you've got that person as a boardroom to actually ask questions to when it comes to relationships. So it's really interesting if we can be really selective of whose opinions actually matter, then we can take control of those inputs and filter out the the negative comments that uh, aren't really constructive. So I think that's really powerful, man. Thank you.
4: So I normally recommend doing things like breath work, And again, you know, deep belly breathing, and it doesn't have to be for long, maybe one minute, but I find that you you can, clients that do that find that their heart rate lowers, their blood pressure lowers, and they can do that one minute in the day, here or there, whenever they want, or even something like meditation. But it's again, finding something that works for you, because I know a lot of people are scared of doing things like meditation or mindfulness, because they feel like they don't they can't do it or you know they don't want to do it so finding something that works for you in sort of stress relief.
0: I love that I think we've had a, a client not too long ago that was trying meditation and kept getting frustrated that their thoughts kept wondering right and I think with meditation and even breath work people stop before it becomes really effective because they get frustrated that it's not having that immediate impact. I think we've got to take a lot of the judgment out of those types of techniques. So if your mind starts to wonder, just accept that. It's normal for your mind to wonder, and just bring it back to the breath or bring it back to the mindfulness that you're choosing. So I think that's a really powerful one. There's, there's one more that I'm going to share and then I'll promise I'll shut up. This one is really, really, for me, this has been really powerful. And it's something that I've learned not too long ago. I'm talking about probably about a month ago. Just recognizing where your emotions are showing up in your body. And it sounds really kind of woo-woo, but when you're angry about something... Like you will feel that within your body. If you just take a moment to just reflect on the fact that you are angry, accept it, and figure out where it's showing up in your body. So I normally feel anger right here in my chest. So if I'm gonna get really angry about it something, I feel it kind of rising up and it stays in my chest. If I'm fearful of something, if I'm scared of something, if I'm about to take a big step forward and maybe, maybe there is a little bit of anxiety creeping in, I feel it right here in my throat. Like I can actually feel that sensation like through my throat. So when I'm talking, my mouth starts to get a little bit drier. I can't actually express the thoughts that were on my mind and it just kind of blocks up here. And same with joy. Like I experience joy. I feel it right in my belly. I can feel that surge of just happiness and I feel it right in my belly. So actually being able to like recognize where these emotions are showing up in your body, I think that's a really powerful tool because then you know what you're actually feeling rather than just having these just mixed bag of just everything going on and something that again I've just picked up recently as well is when I feel the anger don't get pissed off at yourself for being angry like accept that you're angry and just recognize okay you don't need to solve it you don't need to have a solution for why you're angry you need to accept you are angry in the first place for me recognizing it and when I'm doing my breathing then almost breathing into it and exhaling out it's such a cool thing. I, again, you guys probably looking at me thinking, "What the hell is this guy going on about? Um, what sort of course is this guy <laughs> being on?" But it's so cool. You know, recognize that. Recognize that you are feeling something. Recognize where you're showing it's showing up in your body. Don't always think you need a solution for it and then have a tool to actually express it. So it could be a written format. It could be a a verbal communication. It could be a conversation you have with somebody, but it can be such a powerful thing to relieve stress. That's my closing thoughts on this one. If anybody's listening to this, if there's any questions you got for us, please feel free to shout out. And we always look forward to your feedback as well. So thank you and have a great, great week. Thank you so much for joining into today's podcast. And if you enjoyed the content from today's podcast if you took something from it please rate it like it share it and comment on it so that we can make sure that our words are getting out to as many people as possible within our community so we can leave a lasting change and until next time have a powerful week